0: I had this brainstorm, I said, look, I have this m- musical idea, we got the session booked, I don't have any lyrics written for this thing, why don't we go in and just try to cut the track without lyrics, and let's just see how we come about it. Now Liberty doesn't have words to know where he is. So Liberty's gonna make up his own lyrics as we're going along, right? So I, gotta, I'm, I got Liberty in my headphones, and he doesn't have a mo- voice mic. So Liberty's singing to himself with these drum mics. So it's Liberty's voice like And I'm hearing <laughs> And I hear Such <laughs> And I, I realize I really got to come up with words very fast. Um, this is a major seven. Now, if you play enough chords like that, it starts to sound like almost every standard. You know, put a, a buck in the brandy glass, you know. And uh, some people would ask, everybody, you realize, after a certain hour, they were so blitzed, they didn't know what the hell I was playing. <laughs> and I would say, sure, and I would just play... Um, major sevens. A lot of major sevens. Or <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up happy to see you again don't be nervous don't be rocky you're a teenage guest is jockey now and let me begin by wishing you a beautiful good look did that voice inside you say i've heard it all before it's like a
1: Wednesday, march twenty second, twenty twenty two, two hundred and thirty nine days remaining in our American Democratic system. As we have known it, how you doing kids? It's JC. I'm a little uh what's the word? Tired. I still think I'm adjusting to daylight savings. I spent the day in the sun. It was the beginning of my spring training tour in Florida to try and hit as many ballparks as possible within reasonable driving distance of where I am in the Tampa area. And yesterday, it was the Phillies at the Yankees ballpark, George Steinbrenner Field, two of my least favorite franchises, two of my least favorite cities. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> especially Philadelphia. I've only been to Philadelphia once. It was back in the nineties somewhere. And after three or four days there, I was in the cab going back to the airport. I said to the cabbie, I said, how long has the garbage strike here in Philadelphia been going on? And he said, what garbage strike? <coughs> Good morning, everybody. Now oh, the place is a dump and you go to a Yankees Phillies game and it's just a lot of people with big mouths yelling at one another. There was a guy sitting sort of right in front of us. Oh, wait a minute. Here's Michaela McGee again. Hold on, Fox 2.
0: And the man we've all been waiting for, Yadier Molina, arrived in Jupiter, Florida Monday to join the Cardinals for spring training. Yadier is entering his 19th MLB. Hey, season. she
1: got spring training right this time. Last time she said spring break.
0: After the 2022 season.
1: All right, Michaela, you just continue to learn how to do that. Where was I. Oh, yes, ball game. Phillies, Yankees, a lot of big mouths. A uh, guy came and sat down maybe two rows in front of us and he was on his cell phone and he was talking really loud on the cell phone. Yeah, I got these tickets. I just got them and I'm sitting right behind third base and people start turning and going, "Shut up. What are you doing? You come to a ball game and you talk on the cell phone?" And the guy really started Cowering at that point. And I heard him say, I got to keep my voice down here because people are yelling at me. It's like, yep, yeah, New York and Philadelphia sounds about right. Maybe this is a place we should bring in Biff Henderson. Remember Biff Henderson, one of David Letterman's stage managers? He did a good song. Yeah, go
2: ahead. The 1999 Yankees, they cannot be beat. And if anyone disagrees with me, I'll burn that house
1: down. <laughs>
3: thank you biff again
1: sounds about right normally i do the celebrity birthdays near the end of the podcast i'm going to change that at least for one today because one mr bob costas is turning 70 today i still tease bob because my 1998 opening day show that we did on the radio is in the archives at the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, you've seen the letter before. I've talked about it before, and when Bob Costas got the, <laughs> when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I told him I, I still give him crap about it. I said, I got into the Hall of Fame before you did. He doesn't think that's funny anymore, so I stopped saying it to him. But let me just tell you something about Bob. He's an easy target, you know, he's little, but, you know, he spent a good 30 years as the gold standard, not only for sports coverage, but also for interviewing. That show later that was on NBC back in the 80s and 90s was a sensational show, and there's lots of stories. You know, he could write a really, really good book just about the stories related to the old later show. Like when they brought in Paul McCartney, nobody on the set, nobody on the staff, there was like nobody who knew it was even happening. And they brought him up like through a service elevator or something, which I'm sure at this point... You know, I would say that Paul McCartney is used to. I remember uh, I, my first wife was the assistant vice chancellor at Washington University. he used to get in all these uh, speakers series. And they brought in Colin Powell once. And Colin Powell went up there. I've talked about this before, too. He went up there and to the podium and talked for an hour and 10 minutes without any notes, without any prompter, without any script. He just went off, uh, up there and he just talked for an hour and 10 minutes flawlessly, perfectly, no notes at all. And when he was done, my job was to escort Colin Powell and about, I would say, maybe 15 or 20 students who had uh, worked in executive positions on the big Founders Day celebration that they have every year at WashU. And then I was to take these kids and him down the hall to the service elevator, have him, so this is all prearranged, have him stand there with all these kids, all these students, and then I took the picture of Colin Powell and all of them, and then we pushed Colin Powell back into the elevator, and he went down the service elevator where the limo was waiting for him downstairs. So you associate celebrities with you know really, really plush surroundings all the time, and the truth of the matter is they probably see a lot of pipes and tunnels and secret walkways and locked doors and stuff like that. You know why that is? Because we're fucking crazy about celebrities and we we have a tendency to act like goofs when we get around them. And uh, a lot of people say, "Uh, can you take care of the goofs? I'll come and I'll speak at your big celebration. But Can I get in and get out without being seen or noticed or, you know, having some goofball jump up and down and want to take a selfie? Colton was all business, by the way. There wasn't any mistake that he was in the military. Let's put it that way. Oh, and by the way, what a great speech. Anyhow, back to Bob Costas. Like I said, you know, easy target and very opinionated. And whenever you express opinions, you open yourself up for criticism and ridicule and stuff like that. It's part of the deal. But uh, I will tell you this that in addition to Bob Costas having, I met him for the first time in 1985, and we immediately uh, clicked, because it turns out we had a mutual friend, and apparently this name of this mutual friend had not come up in conversation with Bob for a long time so it's 1985 I'm sitting there in the Channel 5 newsroom Bob Costas comes in because he's uh, recording something for I think it was for the 85 World Series uh, when the games were in town and we're doing all this stuff and I go up to him and I say to him and I, I express the fact that I know this guy that I think he knows well he just lived he's like oh my god it was a guy by the way I think a lot of people know Bob Costas Went to school at Syracuse in upstate New York, and there's a guy who was running for student council president. So, what this guy did, I don't know how he got the money, but he bought a commercial during the Tonight Show. So, all the kids on campus are sitting there watching Johnny Carson. And all of a sudden, an ad comes up for this kid running for student council at Syracuse. But it's on television, on on the actual local television station. He won, by the way, and then went on to be a meteorologist in Omaha, where I was working. That's where I met him. And so anyhow, I go up to Bob Costas. I said, I think we have a mutual friend. In Dr. Dave Iser, that was the guy's name. And Costas just lights up like a Christmas tree, and he starts telling me all these stories and everything like that, and and we we sort of click from right there, and Bob Costas has been nothing but wonderful to me for the last, I don't know, 37, 38 years. And uh, and the other thing is this, and people don't know this, but I've seen Bob Costas spend more time with young broadcasters and appear on podcasts and little cable access TV shows and sit down with somebody who's got a tape recorder because he's recording for some broadcasting class in high school or college or some guy's got a little radio show on one of these little AM 1000 watt pea shooters and Bob Cost treats. Every one of these young broadcasters, like he's on network TV, he gives them a show, gives them an interview. You have no idea how much of that stuff Bob Costas does behind the scenes. And then, of course, there's Bob Costas at my 40th birthday party live from what at the time was the bowling hall of fame.
3: Here's the guy, Bobo Newsom, Lewis Norman Buck. Bobo Newsom, born August 11, 1907, Hartsville, South Carolina, died on Pearl Harbor Day, 1962, in Orlando, Florida. This is why, it will soon become apparent, why this man should be your idol. The rundown of his career begins in 1929 with the Brooklyn Dodgers, 1932, Cubs. 1934 Cardinals, 1935 (laughs) Cardinals, then Senators, 36 Senators, 37 Senators, then Red Sox, 38 St. Louis Browns, 39 Browns and Tigers, 40 Tigers, 42 back to the Senators, and then back to the Dodgers in the same season, 43 the Dodgers, but then back to the Senators. So if this pattern continues, you'll be on KMOX by a week from Tuesday. (laughs) Bob. Philadelphia A's 1944, Philadelphia A's again in 46, but the Senators for a third time (laughs) in 46. Opens 47 with the Senators, but they trade him to the Yankees, who immediately trade him to the New York Giants, who send him back to the Senators for the fourth time, then back to the Philadelphia A's, with whom he concludes his career in 1953. Fourteen teams in a... 14-year big league career. This, this, by the way, on page 2,100 of the Baseball Encyclopedia,
1: (laughs) and Costas
3: went through every page (laughs) to find some guy who would relate to
1: you. Do you realize that
3: you have probably inadvertently given me the nickname Bobo for the rest of my (laughs) life? For the rest of my life. Hey, Bobo, over here. Other than JC, the kindest thing I've ever heard anyone call you (laughs) is Bobo.
1: (laughs) Anyhow, the short Greek kid with the cherubic face and the encyclopedic knowledge of baseball who we've been watching for several decades now turning the big 7-0 today. Happy birthday to Mr. Bob Costas. Journey last night at the Enterprise Center. I didn't go because the last two times I went to Journey, I sat there and was bored to tears by Neil Sean, who's crazy, by the way. He thinks that every song needs a 10-minute guitar solo. And so the last two times I went to see them, it's like, okay, we start singing this song, and about two minutes in, Neil Sean just steps front and center and does a 10-minute guitar solo and then sort of backs off after the 10 minutes, and they finish the song, and then they go to another song, and they do exactly the same thing. Guys on some sort of an ego trip that I don't understand, which I'm sorry to say, because when we had him on the air, he was a really nice guy, but then he started talking crazy. I don't know if you remember this or not. Remember Michaela Salahi? Michaela Salahi was married to some guy, and they were the ones who crashed the White House party about, what it was about 10 years ago? She was in this red dress, big, tall, blonde woman. And after the event, somebody said, who the fuck are these two? And they tracked them down and realized they didn't have any business there. They crashed a White House party, and it brought up all sorts of issues regarding White House security. All right. So I don't know. After a period, then they turned them into celebrities and everything like that. They were on television all the time. Well, it turns out that Neil Sean of Journey used to date her. And then when the marriage broke up between Michaela Salahi and whoever this guy was, who she crashed the White House party with, they ended up breaking up. And then Neil Sean resumed his relationship with this Michaela Salahi. Now, I've now I've made a claim here. I said that Neil Sean is insane. All right. Pretty strong language. Why do I say that? Because in the interview I do with him, this was on the air a couple of years ago. He says, yeah, we're going to get married and we're going to put the marriage on pay-per-view. And I just sort of—it almost flew by. Like, wait, whoa, whoa, what? What hold it? What? Yeah, yeah. People who want to watch our wedding, we're going to put it on pay-per-view. So these two people, including you know Neil Sean from Journey, was of the belief that people would want to pay money to watch him get married. I repeat my claim: Neil Sean is nuts. On this date in 1994, I got a call at 3 o'clock in the morning. When the phone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know that's no good. Bob Richards, chief meteorologist for Channel 5, had, uh, well, he was married and had a kid, but he was fooling around with some woman down in the Farmington area, and the scandal broke. And one of the reasons the scandal broke is because there was another morning show in town with two of the bigger creeps I have ever encountered not only in the radio business but just on earth and they were just having a great time with the idea that bob was you know cheating on his wife and they were you know giving everybody the updates day by day by day well then it appeared like the whole thing was going to blow over a judge came along he issued a temporary restraining order you know bob was a pilot and and apparently he was flying over this woman's house down in the Farmington area, and she was complaining. But the whole thing, you know, appeared as though it was going to blow over. Well, then, these two morning people on the radio put the woman on the air, and she started playing back down the phone line private messages that Bob had left on her answering machine. That was on yesterday's date in 1994. On the 10 o'clock news that night, Bob Richards attempted to engage Karen Foss in a little conversation, as they always do when they're coming back from the weather or the sports. They always do a little chit-chat, and Karen Foss refused to make eye contact with him. She just looked straight down. Bob sat down next to her, was trying to talk to her. She wasn't looking at him or acknowledging him. He even bent way down the way you do when you're trying to go, like, way out of your way to get somebody's attention. You bend over and sort of, like, try to look him in the eye. And he did all that, and she didn't uh, She didn't look at him. And later that night, Bob went out to the airport, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I got a call from, I won't say who it was, but it was somebody with a uh a direct tie to the Channel 5 newsroom and so that morning even though everybody else was holding back on the identification of who it was that flew straight up and then straight down out of Chesterfield Airport we knew who it was and we identified him and everybody in St. Louis continued to be horrified by the developments of that story and we lost Bob on that on this date In 1994, there's a couple of people whose names I won't even mention. One I already have, I'm not even mentioning the other two people's names. As far as I'm concerned, that will always have blood on their hands. All right, late night tonight, you got uh, Lily Collins and Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb from The Today Show on with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Kimmel's got Jamie Lee Curtis, Olivia Rodrigo, one of the hottest gals in music right now, on with James Corden. Willie Nelson doing another Outlaw Music Festival tour. It's going to kick off in St. Louis on June 24th and wrap September 23rd. Lineup includes Chris Stapleton, ZZ Top, The Avid Brothers, Billy Strings, Brothers Osborne, Zach Bryan, and Brittany Spencer. Saturday Night Live announced their April lineup. Jared Carmichael coming up April 2nd. Jake Gyllenhaal on the 9th. Camila Cabello is the musical guest. And then Lizzo on April 16th is going to be the host and also the musical guest. J.J. Watt, good guy. He raised $37 million for Hurricane Harvey victims back in 2017. J.J. Watt, good good guy, good football player, 33. Reese Witherspoon, 46. Keegan-Michael Key, one of the funnier people walking the earth these days, 51. Matthew Modine, who's going to win an Oscar someday. I've been saying that for years. I'm telling you, he's going to win an Oscar someday, 63. Uh, we mentioned Bob turning 70. Andrew Lloyd Webber, 74. Wolf Blitzer, The Pride of Buffalo, New York, 74, and William Shatner, 91. All right. I mentioned this yesterday. About three years ago, I went to Delmar Hall because I heard that there was this uh, ELO Electric Light Orchestra tribute band, and so we went. It was I think it was only the second time playing together. And this is you know this is fairly complicated stuff with a bunch of people on stage, and strings, you know, violins all over the place, uh, some synthesizers, and a guy with a wig on and sunglasses who, when he's in that, uh, I guess you should say, costume, looks so much like Jeff Lynne of ELO. You're sitting there going, what am I watching here? And the music was good. Fast forward to last summer at the Powerplex, and they'd been together a couple more years, and just sounding fantastic. It's one of those things where you could sit there and close your eyes and you would swear you were at an ELO show. That's how genuine and authentic it is. But I would caution you not to close your eyes because there's some stuff going on on stage and there's like 10, 12 people on stage to give you that unmistakable sound of the Electric Light Orchestra, and they've got some people who are sensational musicians and great show people, you know, good showmen who put on a show in addition to playing the music. The name of this band is Mr. Blue Sky, and this Saturday night, they're playing Del Mar Hall. The brains behind the whole thing is Jeff Faulkner. I'm away. On the crest of the way, it's like mad. So first of all, I want to know how the pandemic has affected a working musician like Jeff Faulkner. Because not just Mr. Blue Sky, you're out there performing with Two Pedros and all the other stuff that you do. What's the last couple of years been like for a guy just trying to earn a living on stage?
2: Well, you know, it it was certainly challenging when the shutdown first occurred back in 2020. Every show I had was was axed. We went showless for about three months things started to slowly come back you know like any outdoor events stuff like that started to pick back up since then kind of slowly but surely things have picked up more and more uh and now things are pretty much back to normal
1: back in the 80s i think maybe i think i saw bjork wear some sort of surgical mask on stage once and of course bob dylan sometimes sounds like he has a mask in his mouth but for people who want (laughs) for people who want to come and see on saturday night at delmar hall there's nothing special you have to do to get in just so people know let's deal with the confusion issue right here at the top there might be some people going well didn't you guys just play last weekend explain what happened your mr blue sky that's your ELO tribute band. There's no law against another group of touring musicians going around the country performing ELO songs, but that band that was in town just a couple of days ago, that wasn't you. That
2: was not us. No, it was a. a there was a band in town this past weekend called the ELO Experience, and uh, they are an ELO tribute from the UK. I, I, I think they're from the UK. Yeah, they were at River City Casino this past weekend, and a lot of people... Thought that was us. That kind of thing does confuse people when other tributes come into town, and and uh, I know uh, I, I understand that.
1: Speaking of out of town, did you guys not just have a gig in Chicago a while back?
2: Yes, we did. Uh, we were uh, we were up there a couple weeks ago. That was actually our first out of town venture it's up in the chicago suburbs in west dundee which is about i don't know 35 minutes out of downtown 40 minutes out of downtown the building has been there for over 100 years and it was an old vaudeville theater
1: i think everything and- in dundee has been there for about 100 years you-, you didn't know this but when i was still in college that was one of my first radio gigs worst call letters in history wv F-V. You couldn't even say it. It was impossible to say. I think it was the paleontologist era or something like that. Uh, How was the reception in Chicago?
2: Man, it it could not have gone any better. You know, we had a really good crowd there. Every single person in that room had never seen us before, obviously, because it was our first of town gig. They were, like, floored and uh we we had the chance to go out after we played and and kind of say hi to everybody and and thank them for coming out. And you know, they were like, next next time you're up here, I will definitely be there." And it was just a really, really cool venue too. It was a place like I said, the place was called the Rock House, and kind of a mix between it looked it was sort of a mix between like Delmar Hall and House of Blues a little bit. I've been doing this over 25 years and I don't think any venue has ever treated me as good as that place did. Wow. Um, wow. They, they, I mean they could not have been more cordial and welcoming. It was just it was just awesome. The owner came up to me after the uh after the show and he said, "I think you guys might be the best band we've ever had here." <laughs>
1: Oh, man, that's great. I'm not surprised either, John. I'm not surprised because that was my reaction the first time I saw you. The first time I saw you at Del Mar Hall a couple years ago was, I think, was only the second time you had played together. And, you know, it was a little bumpy, but it was still you could see, oh, my God, these guys have really got something here. And so, you know, here we are a couple years later. I'm not surprised at all. You know, I don't think I've ever answered this question because when you're on stage up there doing ELO songs, you're not exactly strumming, you've got a friend. This is fairly sophisticated stuff and you got like 10, 12 people on stage. Do you have a favorite song, a favorite ELO song that you guys perform? And similarly, is there one that is particularly difficult to perform?
2: Um so for me my favorite that we're doing right now is one that we just added is a song called I'm Alive from the Xanadu soundtrack. Um, We we just added that one. So maybe that's why it's my favorite because it's new and kind of fresh. Um, But you're right. I mean, uh, the um, music of VLO is, is not like three chord progression, basic stuff. I mean, it's, it's, some of it's very intricate. You know, the hardest part about it is is the orchestration aspect of it. Uh, that that's been the biggest challenge: uh, getting getting the strings and the orchestral part right, and and getting those present enough lives to where you know it it, it, it emulates what's on the record.
1: There's one part of Turn to Stone that seems to me that it would be difficult to do it's that real staccato thing you just do it for me here you know what i'm talking about right
2: oh yeah the uh, turning the phone to, turn to, turn to come home to turn yeah yeah, <laughs> the, uh, little vocal part. <laughs> yeah
1: that would be the one that i'd be before i went on stage every night i'd be thinking to myself just get it right just get it right just get it right it's, just seems like it would be difficult
2: probably, yeah it's a little vocal part in stone, a little breakdown vocal part uh and uh every time we do it the crowd goes crazy. Yeah. So we, yeah. You know, go back to your, your original question, as far as like the like the most musically difficult song that we do is probably either like Mr. Blue Sky. Miss, Mr. Blue Sky's got a lot of stuff going on in it. And I, I, probably either that or, um, like all, all over the world. Those, both, both of those songs have like lots of changes, very minimal. Like the, like the songs don't have major chords in them. And it's either like a, like an A nine with a suspended, you know, fifth added or whatever, you know, like all over the place. So those two songs are musically, you know, pretty, pretty difficult and intricate. Yeah. So.
1: We talked about the fact that you got a lot of people on stage. I think the number is usually about 10 as you know. I'm a big fan of your string player Abby stallschmidt Will she be performing with you on the 26th?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Abby's with us, you know, like 90% of the shows we do. There're going to be some shows that uh, she won't be available for because she she does like international modeling and uh, has a few other out of town things going on, music wise, which makes her schedule a little wonky at times. But uh, but more times, like I said, about ninety percent of the time, she, she she she'll she'll be with
1: us. If I talk to you, say two years from now, again, you've got interest out of the Chicago area. Now you got to believe that the promoters will start. You know, talking amongst themselves and saying, hey, you heard about these guys out of St. Louis. Uh, It's pretty amazing. You should book them. And the next thing you know, you're playing Indianapolis and then you're playing Denver and then you're playing Dallas and the whole thing. Is that where you see this whole thing going in a couple of years?
2: Uh absolutely, yeah, I mean, we're at a point now where well, we haven't done everything I want to do in St. Louis, but we've <clears throat> we've done most of what we need to do here, and now now it's time to get it out of town and, and and see what it can do right now, we're just trying to expand our base, you know, but but we're trying to just keep it in the midwest for now there There aren't very many e l o tributes in the country. You know, there's probably like five or six. There's hundreds of Fleetwood Mac tributes. There's hundreds of like Rolling Stones tributes, hundreds of Zeppelin tributes, hundreds of Pink Floyd tributes. But there are literally five or six ELO tributes in the whole country. So we've got that going for us.
1: All right. Saturday night, March 26th, Delmar Hall. If people want to get tickets and if people want to follow you guys like on a website, Facebook, that sort of stuff, go ahead. Reel it off. Sure.
2: Uh, The website is MrBlueSkyMusic.com. You go to Facebook and search MrBlueSky, a tribute to Electric Light Orchestra, and we'll pop right up. You can do Facebook.com forward slash MrBlueSkySTL. That'll take you there, too. Uh, We're also on Instagram. Uh, It's it's just MrBlueSkySTL with underscores between each word. And yeah, that'll that'll have all the information on the show, Mar, um, March 26th, Delmar Hall. There'll be ticket linked girl named Emily Wallace opening up for us. And uh, Emily is one of the best female singer-songwriters in St. Louis, in my opinion. Uh, unbelievable voice. It's going to be a great, great, great time. I mean, we're going to have huge, huge light show as usual and a and, um, few surprises song-wise. It's going to be a great, great, great night.
1: All right. As you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, Mr. Blue Sky. Jeff Faulkner, man, oh, man, you got something good going here. Continued success and the best of luck to you i've seen the show twice now including the one last summer the powerplex out there last summer you got a great thing going here really proud of what you're doing have a great show we'll talk soon thanks jeff faulkner appreciate it again delmar hall the place to be saturday night for mr blue sky tickets available at the usual ticket outlets and with that We say that's the end of the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. 239 days remaining in our American democratic system as we have known it. As always, you can email me, jc at jcontheline.com. Facebook, The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. If you miss a podcast, don't worry, everything's archived. We post absolutely free every Monday through Friday, right about 7 a.m. We do politics only when it's completely unavoidable. We're in the top ten of all podcasts across country. Let's stay in there and continue to spread the word, please. And as I said, we're going to have a fairly significant announcement here. One of these days. I can't tell you what day it is yet, but it's going to be very, very soon. Possibly even this week. I'll let you know what I know myself. In the meantime, we beat this one to death. Have a good one. See you later.
2: Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.